You are listening to the Shadow Network with KP Ready, your gateway to innovation in architecture, engineering, construction, and real estate, with a sprinkle of startups that are making a difference in between. Check us out on YouTube at Shadow Partners. Never miss a live stream, fireside chat, or talk that we got going on with the industry's most interesting innovators and leaders every single week. You can connect with KP Ready and other innovators in the AEC and CRE industry in the Shadow Partners community. Go to bit.ly slash Shadow Partners community to learn more today. All it takes is a few clicks for you to make a difference. Welcome to the future. And welcome to the Shadow Network with KP Ready. Every week I have the pleasure of sitting down with KP Ready. Uh, who's the founder and CEO of Shadow Partners and Shadow Ventures. And uh, one of the things that KP does is post, post things on LinkedIn that are thought-provoking. They're, they're based on conversations that he's had, things he's experienced, things he sees in the AEC and CRE industry. And um, he ends up with a lot of engagement, a lot of, um, a lot of comments, a lot of, uh, a lot of people learning from what he's posting on on uh, LinkedIn. And so I get to sit down every week and say, Hey, KP, what were you thinking when you posted uh, that on, uh, on LinkedIn? And so we've been recording this for uh, some time now. We publish it uh, as KP Ready Unpacked under the, uh, the brand of, of Shadow Network, the podcast. You find that you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you consume podcasts. And so, obviously, we're joined by KP today. So, KP, welcome. Glad you're here today. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? It's going well. Um, scrolling through your LinkedIn, and I saw this post from a couple of days ago now, I guess. But you said, strategy roles, when done well, are magic. Unfortunately, too many people throw the term strategy around as efficiently as they throw the term innovation around. You know, we, we talk behind the scenes about innovation a lot, obviously. I mean, that's that's part of part of the ethos of of uh, shadow, obviously. But but interesting that you're connecting efficiency and innovation, maybe just on the level of, you know, the, the ease of, of use, maybe lack of meaning in that use. But what were you thinking when you posted this? What inspired this? Yeah. So I, I think the trend I see in highly established industries like AEC and and any of their uh, other industries that the chief strategy role and the chief innovation role have become placeholders when we've run out of C-suite titles to give people. Uh, in other words, hey, Steve's been here for 30 years and it's not CEO, not the chief innovation, not the chief information officer, not the CTO. Uh, however, um, uh, let's make him chief strategy officer. Let's make him the chief innovation officer, right? And you know, you can always uh, and and you saw it sometimes with the chief sustainability officer in the past, right? The C-suite role with no PNL, uh, no, not a lot of resourcing, and, and that kind of tells you a lot. If you think about those two roles, and even if you want to throw chief sustainability officer, where that actually has a little bit more definition around it. Many of these roles don't have great job descriptions. And the unfortunate thing is for a chief strategy officer to be successful, for a chief innovation officer to be successful, 
the company has to have resources to support them, i.e. money, right? Lots of capital on the balance sheet. And secondly, they have to have a time horizon that does not fit in a single fiscal year. In other words, uh, if you're going to measure, you can measure activities on a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis. But as you think about um, actually delivering on a sound strategy that can be game-changing, it might be a multi-year, five-year, 10-year approach. Same thing with the chief innovation officer. And I think that's where the big miss is. So the people in these placeholder positions don't actually know what strategy is and they don't know what innovation is um, because they're set up for failure in many ways. Um, and, and I always ask people with those titles, um, did you get this job from someone else? Was there an existing job description? And almost 90% of the time in established industries, they're like, no, actually my boss made, had me write up my own job description which is kind of telling. It is telling and, and, you know, it's coincidental or not, right? We're, we've just launched our innovation leaders mastermind group, um, which I think, you know, what you're saying now really, really kind of touches in that realm, right? The, some, some of the people that we've had discussions with about joining the mastermind group have had strategy titles. Most of them have innovation type titles. Um, but one of the things that struck me and you, you touched on this a second ago was, you know, as, as I'm going out and I'm having conversations with these people about joining the mastermind group, you know, is this the right fit for you? Um, you know, what, what could you contribute? What would you want to get out of a mastermind group like this? Uh, a couple, a couple of things that you touched on really came to light. One, yes, many of these people are the first in their organization to have that title, to have that role, as you say, this sort of the placeholder role. And then one of, you know, just completely honest about it, one of the frustrations from my point of view is here's somebody that I'm talking about or, or talking to about the mastermind group that I think would be a fantastic fit for the mastermind group. You know, the, the knowledge that they have, uh, the, the firm that they're in, the industry that they're in, they, they would be a great contributor. I think they could get a lot out of being in this group and they come back and they say, yeah, we, my, uh, my CEO or, you know, whoever it is that they're, they're asking that they're answering to won't fund this. And yes, there's a cost to the mastermind group, but it, it, in, in the grand scheme of things, it is a very, very small cost. And what that says to me beyond the actual dollar figure is that that organization is not investing in the development of this person. They're not investing in the development of this role and by extension strategy, innovation, et cetera. So th those couple of things that you touched on, I'm seeing absolutely in these conversations with people that were, were uh, approaching and, and uh, now getting into the uh, innovation leaders mastermind group. Yeah, I think I think you're you're also hitting on a point specifically to the AEC industry, right? Um, if it was not required to get continuing education units to keep your architectural registration or your engineering registration, how much investment would the industry actually make 
into the skills development of their employees? You know, that, that, there's a big question. And I think, you know, you don't have to have continuing education units for being a chief innovation officer or chief strategy officer. It's not a requirement. Right. And to your point, it's, it's a nominal cost with a huge benefit. I, I think part of it is, you know, strategy, you know, we get the benefit of bouncing between the big corporates and, and the startups. And, you know, startups don't have chief strategy officers. That's called the CEO, right? That's, that's, the, that's called being the founder. And, uh, and they understand the bumps in the road of developing a strategy, trying to execute the tactics against that strategy and how it doesn't always work and that iteration of it doesn't always work. Um, and so they, they have to be really good strategists because they don't have resources. And a 10,000 person engineering firm, um, if the chief strategy officer um, doesn't execute, it doesn't affect the numbers, right? These, these, are, these are roles that I consider to be asymmetric roles, right? If they don't execute, it probably doesn't affect anything. If they do execute, it has to be game-changing. Unfortunately, a lot of these strategic roles tend to be pretty symmetric in their nature in that if they lose a million bucks, it doesn't matter. And then if they get a million bucks, it doesn't matter, right? It's all rounding error. And so it then becomes more about a marketing exercise. But a true chief strategy officer has a very asymmetric role in terms of how they, how they execute. Um, and, and you just can't, um, you know, that's the job. And I think teaching people and people understanding what an asymmetric role looks like uh, is something that our industry doesn't really talk about much. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. I mean, here we are, AEC, CRE, you know, we're built environment. Um, and uh, I, I just sat in on an interview that uh, Ian was doing yesterday. And it was it was interesting being a fly on the wall because um, this is the industry I grew up in. Right? This, this is what I know. This is where I've been since I started college. And it was it was very interesting to me to to sit in on this interview and hear another professional uh, from the industry talk about the lack of true innovation um, and, you know, from their perspective. And, of course, we, we dip into uh, digital transformation and, you know, another other aspects of, of how we get the work done, et cetera. But, um, but I, I think the point that we really don't know what to do with these people is exactly right. And so if I were to wrap it back around and maybe play devil's advocate, I would almost ask why, why do we even have these roles? If we're, um, you know, if I'm talking to someone and says, yeah, I'm the, I'm the chief innovation officer, but you know, one person actually said, I don't have a team. Okay. Well, how's that work exactly? Um, the organization doesn't want to fund the, as you said, nominal cost of this mastermind group, um, you know, the different versions of this, why do we even have the roles? Why, why are, why are firms naming chief whatevers when we may not even know what, what to do with them? Yeah. 
It's the same reason why a, a forestry company has a chief sustainability officer. It looks good. <laughs> right. They're, they're cutting down trees left and right, but we need a chief sustainability officer. Right. So, I mean, I think the optics in the market are, are, are probably a good part of it. Right. But I, I think I always try to take the, you know, you, know, you, you take this startup view of the world and, uh, you know, a lot of people don't get me sometimes. I probably spend more time talking people out of starting startups than encouraging them to start startups because they don't understand. They see, they see the benefit on the back end. They rarely see the sausage being made, right? And one of the exercises I have them do is say, look, you know, how much do you make at Home Depot right now? Oh, I make 150. Great. You're probably going if, to, if you're successful at Home Depot, you're going to get a raise every year, right? Oh, yeah, 10% or so. Okay, cool. So if your startup, if we look at the investment of your salary over the next five years, it's about 700 grand. At the end of your startup in five years, if you can't net 7 million, then what's the point, right? Because part of taking on the risk, you know, you have to have the reward. Staying at Home Depot for five years and getting a 10% raise every year, there's no risk to that. If you're going to take on startup risk, you have to think of your own time the same way us venture capital people look at it. Now, in five years, you may make zero dollars. That's fine, right? But if you didn't have the chance to make 10x, i.e., that 750 in salary I'm foregoing isn't going to net me personally seven and a half million, then what was the point of it all? Like, there's no path to that. And I think that's where a lot of founders, especially highly compensated, I get a lot of executives that are making half a million dollars a year at some big corporate wanting to you know, use up their savings and go do a startup. And we start looking at the math and what the risk quotient is and what the return expectation should be to them personally, they generally opt out. Because now all of a sudden you're saying, oh, five years, that's like $3 million. If you can't net $30 million, if, the, if there's no path to, right? Obviously no guarantees, but if there's no mathematical path, to you netting $30 million in five years, stay in your day job, dude. Like, what are you doing? It's nonsense. You know, it's like, it's like playing roulette with one-to-one -one odds, right? If, if roulette paid out one-to-one, one one, what's the point, right? When it's a 32-to-one, you know, odds, right? So um, you have to match up the odds against the payouts, so to speak. Um, and just like Vegas, the house does win most days. So. Um, so I think it's I think the chief strategy officer and chief innovation officers have to take that asymmetric math into view that it's not the oh the company's paying me two fifty as a chief innovation officer so if I deliver ten um, percent profit like the rest of the business does <clears throat> that I'm doing a good job actually you should be delivering ten x what they pay you and what's your strategy to do that. And I generally think most of them do not have a strategy, right? If you look at a five-year comp plan for a chief strategy officer or chief innovation officer, God forbid they make 10 times what the CEO makes, right? That's it, yeah. Right, because that would be an ideal outcome. Because if you can pay your chief innovation officer 10x what the CEO makes, God knows what they delivered to the bottom line, 
right? Um, and I think it's that kind of thinking um, that starts to to really inform executives on how to think about strategy and how to think about innovation. I'm telling you, like I have friends that are fantastic chief strategy officers at large companies, and they do make more than the CEO because they I, they yeah. I things that are very important and change the game for the company. Yeah, the um, sorry, got the dog in the background. Um, yeah, I, I think that culturally, that's that's a huge shift, and and you would not, um, you know, we're obviously talking about AEC. You know, this is sort of the the lane, but th that's not a culture that we're used to in in the AEC world at all. Right. No, and I think a lot of that stems from, quite honestly, is. Um, not being in a product-led business, right? We're in a RFP-led business. <laughs> no, the market is used to buying phase one environmental site assessments and they draft an RFP and you respond to that, you know? Um, and, and so part of really the, the chief innovation and chief strategy officer has to think about new product development, new service development, new market development, um, and not just like, oh, I'm going to go talk strategy, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, that that's a really important point. I mean, it, and this is probably a conversation for another day, but the shift from professional services to productizing, you know, whatever productizing services, that's a big shift. That's a big mindset shift. And but that's where the innovation has to come from, doesn't it? Yeah, and but I, I think. You know, we, we think about these like big ideas, right? And I'm, you know, of course, I love big ideas, but I'll give you an example. I was, uh, this is years ago. I went, I was out with these lawyers, so it was a terrible evening. But um, it was three law firms here in Atlanta, and the partners all started a courier service together. They own their own courier service, and they all were shareholders in it. And each of these large firms, the default standard of courier service was this firm, was this company. Sure. And yeah. guess what? They kind of named whatever price they wanted to because they were passing on the costs to their customers. Right, right. They're making and they use couriers all the time. All the time, right? All the time. Mm -hmm. They were making essentially more money off their courier business individually than they were in their day job as partners at a law firm, mm -hmm. yeah. right? That's strategy, right? That's right. You now I think of strategy, I think of other words like cleverness and inventiveness. And not everything's writing code or, or building a robot. I mean, there are other ideas that come out of this. And I think um, those those are the type of things that chief strategy officers should be kind of looking at. Yeah, yeah. And we, we could obviously keep talking about this. Um, and, you know, we do this every week. We unpack these posts, but uh, there's there's a lot of things to explore here. So I'll just review for those of you that are listening. Uh, I'm I'm with KP Ready today. I didn't introduce us at the beginning. So KP Ready is the CEO and founder of Shadow Partners and Shadow Ventures. My name is Jeff Eccles, chief or a senior advisor. Uh, I'm about to call myself a chief strategy officer. That seems dangerous in the context of this conversation. Um, senior advisor at um, Shadow Partners, and every week I get to get together with KP and ask him, what were you thinking when you posted that 
on LinkedIn. If you're not following KP Ready on LinkedIn, K period P period Ready, R-E-D-D-Y on LinkedIn, you're missing out because he posts, um, uh, a lot of his posts are very thought provoking. They come directly out of innovation and and uh, specifically in the context of AEC and, and CRE, the built environment industry. And this particular post that we're unpacking today for the Shadow Network podcast is strategy roles when done well are magic. Unfortunately, too many people throw the term strategy around as efficiently as they throw the term innovation around. And um, if you missed, if somehow you jumped in at the end of this, you need to go back and listen to this whole conversation because KP uh, really unpacked this uh, well, you know, great, great examples here. And this is something that, that we see on a day-to-day basis um, in the, the firms that we work with, the people that we talk to, uh, the firms all around the AEC industry. So KP, thank you for uh, unpacking this post today. Thanks, Jeff. And oh, by the way, this was done in front of a live studio audience. This is uh, live. And we'll, we'll do Q&A after we hit the stop button on the record button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're going to do that. This is this is going to be sort of a new experiment for us. We typically record this, just KP and I, um, and sometimes the dogs that are in the background now. Um, but uh, we're doing this live inside the Shadow Partners online network right now. If you are listening to this, you want to know more about that. Hey, what do um, you know? How do I find out? How do we get into the uh, Shadow Partners network? Reach out to KP on LinkedIn. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. We'll get you hooked up. Um, get you in a, uh, a uh, training session and get you into the uh, shadow partner. So you can participate in these now weekly live conversations that uh, won't just be KP and I anymore. We'll, we'll include the live audience. So, um, so join us, reach out to us on LinkedIn. We'll, we'll uh, get you into the network and you can, you can participate in these conversations live. So again, thanks KP for joining me today to uh, unpack this post. Thank you for tuning in to another episode on the Shadow Network here with KP Ready. As always, remember you can connect with KP and other innovators in the AEC and CRE industry in the Shadow Partners community. Go to bit.ly slash shadowpartnerscommunity to find out more today. Until next time.